0: What up, Charlotte? It's Wes and Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Appreciate you joining us for the next three hours. Walker Mail, Wes Bryant, Josh Fitty, Marlowe. We got our boy Drum in the planet Kia Studios today. We are brightening the kids' futures today. We are trying to be (laughs) good influences. We have someone shadowing. It is Wes's girlfriend's nephew. We call him Drum around here. I called him Jerome for the first hour and a half (laughs) that I knew him, but I just realized that his nickname is Drum. First name is Drummond, to be proper, but not around here. We'll just call him Drum. And we've already given him Everything he has to know about Fiddy, stay away. Probably about five feet of distance at all times is going to be safe for him. We told him not to repeat anything to his parents, anything that he heard Fiddy say during the break. I just need to know from our listeners, what kind of advice should we give drum about our producer, Josh Fiddy Marlowe? 704-570-9610. What advice should we give someone going into their freshman year of high school, by the way? 14 years old. Freshman year of high school, Wes, I know we already had to tell him, look, this is who we got. Yeah. He's outrageous. It makes for good radio sometimes, and other times it makes you uh, a little scared about that dump button. Yeah, and that's basically the advice I gave.
1: Him. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, and we just had to let him know that uh, you know Fiddy's going to give him an example of uh, the dregs <laughs> of radio. You know what um, what I, goes on. Um, I, drum, <laughs> are your parents listening right now?
0: By the way, you can just give me a thumbs up if they are. Are they? Oh, they're not. Okay, thumbs down. That's great. I'll go ahead and out Fiddy. Well, one of the first things that he asked him was. Drum, what's your favorite curse word? That's that's the first thing. I'm not making any of this up. That's a true thing. He asked him what his favorite curse word is. Oh,
2: they is. believe it. Yeah. The, I the know. listeners believe
0: it. Yeah, Fitty, what do you have to say about us having to advise him what's going on, heading into the studio for the next couple of days while shadowing?
2: There's there's never been a bigger instance of how big of cowards you guys are. Oh wow. That wow. y'all could not do this with me in the room. You know, because here I was, company man. It's twelve oh three, and I'm telling you, we did oh, this. But you had to do this, warning this, 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 this poor kid that I'm going to inspire to have this great career where you work your tail off and make no money. That I'm just this <laughs> reckless, abandoned human being. I'm a good person. You know, I work. I'm a great worker. I am I'm, work. I'm, <laughs> I'm a family man. I'm a man of faith. Like some of this stuff that they told Loosely. you, they were lies. Now, don't get it wrong. We, we, you know, if Coach K brings up, there might be a questionable comment that, that comes out of my <laughs> mouth every now and again.
0: Yeah, they definitely don't repeat any of that to you. <laughs> yeah. But, you know,
2: outside of that, you know, did, did I have to dump myself yesterday for saying a word on the radio? Sure. Oh, I didn't I'm know a great influencer. Wow. Did you really? You didn't
0: tell us that. That, well, happened, uh, that happened on Charlotte Sports
2: today. It was as as accidental a word as it could have been. I was trying to say Push. Oh, okay. You didn't put that H on there, did you? And the H did not follow. And uh, so, you know, look, it wasn't like it was a blatant. I was trying to say that different word, Uh but, you know. Mistakes that, happen, right? I and gotcha. I made a mistake yesterday, and um, I'm better, and I'm back
0: for it. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, for only it. Jesus was perfect. Well, That's right. A, a man of faith would right. 100% understand that <laughs> over there behind the ones and twos. We asked what kind of advice we should give to Drum about Fiddy. 980 said whatever Fiddy does, do the opposite. Spence wrote in, drum shouldn't listen to, all caps, anything Fiddy says about women. That's something. Oh, that's true, kid. Now, Wes already, (laughs) I don't know why that made me laugh. Hey, kid, that's true. (laughs) Anything I got to say about women, do the opposite. Wes already (laughs) warned drum about that. That's an actual thing that happened. Wes already had that advice for him. Russell in Vermont, same thing, all caps. Do not take dating or love advice from Fiddy. Casey, Steve said this. It's not advice about Fitty, but it should be Drum giving Fitty woman advice. (laughs) He does have a girlfriend. You know, here's
2: the thing. When you're 26 and you've been single for 18 months, I'm not going to say no to it. I mean, it's probably better advice than what y'all have offered because what have y'all done in the year we've been together? Oh,
1: man. Look at this. You want to take this one? We should probably just go ahead and get off the bus because he is (laughs) – this is classic Fitty right? Okay, that's fine. Victim mentality, you know, all the stuff we tell him in here all the time.
0: That's right. Thanks for grabbing the wheel. You're right, because yeah. I was about to just drive us into a ditch by yeah, continuing man. to yeah. give that that's conversation life. That's he does, though,
1: man. He'll, he'll, he'll I rope-a-dope you. So I know. We gotta... so
0: weak sometimes. Yeah. I know he gets into my head sometimes, <laughs> and I don't want him to be there, but he's just— Inception. Uh, it, it's, it's a parasite. Yeah. It's just I, I let him live off yeah. of it. I, I give him life. All right, bus driver, open up the doors. Let's get off the bus.
1: We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! Kick it! I can feel
0: it. I want to ask if people are worried about this Brian Burns situation, because Jeremy Fowler reported yesterday that... Brian Burns and the Carolina Panthers are not close on contract negotiations. Here's the direct quote from Jeremy Fowler, ESPN NFL Insider. Burns told me, so not sources, right? Not according to a source or multiple sources, but Burns himself told me he's not concerned with his contract but would love to stay in Carolina long-term. He reported to camp because he wanted to show leadership. Sides are not close on a new deal. That's what people ran with. That sentence right there. Sides are not close on a new deal. Nick Bosa expected to put up a massive number on an extension with San Fran. That could have a trickle-down effect on Brian Burns, the proverbial next man up. Burns doesn't seem hesitant to play out the last year of his rookie contract. At $16 million guaranteed, Jeremy Fowler finishes with, he's eyeing a massive season regardless, end quote. I think... The only reason that I would be worried about this Mm -hmm. is if Brian Burns decided that he was going to hold out and miss some actual game time. But Wes, as so many of these contract negotiations happen, if you do hold out, then most likely these players return before they miss a game check because that's real money. I'm not worried about it. Brian Burns continues to play. He's not missing any reps. And I still don't think that Carolina is going to allow him to walk away from this franchise. I think maybe publicly Brian Burns isn't holding Carolina's feet to the fire, but we know that he's going to get paid. He knows he's going to get paid. Now, you risk injury a little bit if you don't sign something. That might be a risk for Brian Burns. If you have this injury, Nick Bosa gets paid, and then you're kind of left with your palms up in the air saying, wait, where's my money now? It's like, well, you had your chance to make it long-term. He'd still get a big payday because of how young he is, but it certainly would dwindle down just a little bit. Other than that, despite them and that sentence being such, with, you know, made with such emphasis, mm-hmm. they're not close to a deal. I'm still not worried about it, even as we get this close into the uh, uh, this far into the off season.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's anything to be worried about at this moment because Brian Burns has put himself in a situation that, outside of just a truly catastrophic injury, he's still going to get. A big payday, and I think the fact that they're not close just means to me that they're waiting on Nick Bosa's deal to drop so they can get the framework for what they want to do, and that's all this means to me, uh, plain and simple. Other than that, I think it's much ado about nothing. It's definitely a storyline. You would definitely want the Panthers to have a deal done, but Brian Burns is sitting there saying, okay, the figure we talked about before with Nick Bosa when they said the 33.5 per year average So if Burns goes and does a deal for 28 and then Bosa comes in at 33 and a half, 34, he's going to be like, whoa, I should have waited. And then maybe I could have gotten closer to that. So that's why I think, like I said, that they're far apart right now because they just don't know until the market has been set by the best pass rusher in the game.
0: Do you think Brian Burns is taking too big of a gamble by playing while also not being close to a contract as it stands right now?
1: Uh... You know, when I first thought about it, because, you know, I'm all for holding out. Sorry out there to the fans, but I'm all for it. But I'm just like Burns has gotten to the point that, as you said, with his youth, outside of just having a truly catastrophic injury, I just don't see him not getting paid. Uh, so I think that he's not taking too big of a gamble. And I think he knows that. I think his agent knows that. He said, look, man, just go out there and play. You're going to get paid regardless. You're still getting $16 million guaranteed this year as well. But I think a deal is going to be imminent for him uh, sooner rather than later. So, no, I don't think he's taking too big of a gamble coming in. I'm
0: generally a fan of taking care of big contracts sooner rather than later mm-hmm. because we know that these contracts can be effective. Did, and then they'll start to raise a little bit. It's why when they did pay Christian McCaffrey... I didn't love the decision, but I'm glad that they took care of it sooner rather than later before the running back price went up. Now, it just so happened that Christian McCaffrey was the last guy to get that kind of money and the market, it stabilized, it kind of stalled, and now we know that it's back down after Jonathan Taylor wanted a big deal, didn't get it. Dalvin Cook looking for a new deal, isn't going to get it. Saquon Barkley, same thing. We know about everything going on with the running back market, but edge rushers, if you wanted to point to advanced stats as the reason as to why running backs are not getting paid, you can point to advanced stats and that being the reason that edge rushers are getting paid. We know the importance of that specific position in a pass happy NFL as we've had throughout the last decade. Brian Burns being that young, that's a guy that called for not just two first round picks, which is a massive haul within itself, but there was reportedly a second round pick added on to the two first round picks that were offered to Carolina mid-season for a Rams team that didn't have any picks to work with, right? And the Philadelphia Eagles, who were trying to win a Super Bowl last year. Brian Burns isn't going to be with another team outside of the Carolina Panthers. Whether they give him a contract later into the season, I do expect them to continue negotiations as the season starts. I don't think that this is going to be, hey, once week one comes, we're all focused about game day. Well, okay, like let the coaches be worried about game day. Scott Fitter, it's actually in his job description to take care of guys contractually or not. But you need to have those negotiations contractually, even during the season. You're just losing ground on other teams that might be interested in Brian Burns long-term. This is your advantage, the fact that you guys still get to talk about this. I'm not worried at all, and I will say, you're right. Maybe if you're Brian Burns, you'd rather hold out just to make sure you don't get injured and really put Carolina's feet to the fire. But as a fan... It's not affecting me right now, and I am happy that he's not losing any reps in a new scheme under ajero Averro.
1: Yeah, and I think, too, another piece of this is Burns wants to be looked at as a leader, so he's coming in and showing guys that this is the professional way to handle contract negotiations because if he does it, then how many other players on that roster could be like, I want to hold out, I want to sit out, When they say, look, Brian came in, he did his thing, he's our highest-paid player because he's going to be Carolina's highest-paid player for a little while until probably Bryce Young comes up. Maybe uh, I, I can't think of anybody that would surpass him at this point. So I think that's also another piece of this. He's just trying to show the guys that, hey, this is this is the way to get this thing done. Uh, but the fans, though, obviously they're going to be happy about it. I don't think he's going to play a ton during the preseason. But then that, that's also a slippery slope, too, because they're in a new defense. He's in kind of a new position, foreign territory. So he may need to get some reps. But I still don't anticipate him playing a ton uh, in the preseason. So other than that, just practicing pretty hard for him is going to be the main extent of his offseason work until he gets to week one.
0: Now, different position, but Christian Wilkins, former Clemson Tiger, now Miami Dolphin, is also looking for a new contract. And what's interesting there, it's a defensive tackle market, not defensive end or edge rusher market, but the defensive tackle market, you see Quentin Williams get paid handsomely, you see a couple of these other guys in the middle get big ol contracts and I was looking at NFL Live yesterday watching Adam Schefter talking to Field Yates about some of the contract disputes out there and then when specifically they were talking about Christian Wilkins Miami did not project the market to go that high at DT Now, Wilkins is wanting to get paid like some of the better defensive tackles in the NFL. And if you look, Wilkins was playing like one of those guys. He is actually number one in run-stop win rate, according to ESPN Advanced Metrics. So when you're talking about that good of a run-stuffer, and we know about his pass-rush ability as well, he wants to get paid like one of the top defensive tackles. Miami didn't expect the market to be that high. Christian Wilkins wants to get paid like a top-five guy. Now they're... I don't know how far apart, but now they're apart. And so this thing is lingering a little too much into the offseason. My question is, will Carolina eventually take care of Brian Burns? And just how much, uh, how far apart are they? You know, like, is Brian Burns asking to be paid like a top two edge rusher? Is he banking he on, Is he banking on getting 18 sacks this upcoming season? Just a monster type of year. And then parlaying that into a top two edge rusher contract? This is why I think he's got that ability, Wes, to be honest with you. You got a really smart play caller now on the defensive side. You got some help with the defensive line. Justin Houston, Brian Burns' eyes might get real big about that signing if he thinks Justin Houston has anything left, Carolina does, paying him that kind of money for this season. If that's the case, it'll help Brian Burns get after the quarterback. And if you allow him to have an 18 sack type season, something monstrous like that, then he's going to have leverage. He already has some leverage right now with the way the market is looking. This
1: could get fascinating if this continues to play out. Yeah, the Panthers can't afford to let that happen. Okay, like I said, you're just simply waiting. Nick Bosa's deal will come any day now. Once that's done, then you can get Brian Burns done. But you don't want to sit there and not get this done. Let Nick Bosa get his deal, and then Burns comes out and has an 18-sack season because then he's going to come back and say, I want 35.
0: And and it's nice, last thing here, Pat Mahomes being the guy that – had his contract, and he's clearly the best quarterback in the NFL. Nick Bosa, as much as I love Brian Burns, better than than Brian Burns. Nick Bosa is, and so if that's the case, then you're gonna like, all right, well, this is what, what Nick got. This is what we can work now. You're not gonna get anything over what Nick yeah, got in but San Francisco. He can
1: say, not this offseason. I'm the man. And uh, I don't have to come in. All
0: right. We'll see what happens. Uh, We go over a little (laughs) bit on segment one, but some interesting stuff there with Brian Burns and the contract negotiations. Coming up next, we have more sound to get to based off of Bryce Young. How much pressure is on Bryce Young to perform this season? We get to it next. Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Every single segment being puzzled by something Fitty says or just joking with him. I, I'm, I'm sorry that this is the second consecutive segment that we do this. But no, you're not. At the same time, Fitty is out here questioning the Ninja Turtles as superheroes.
2: No, I'm not.
0: Well, you did. You questioned it. I'm not saying you outright said that they're not superheroes, but you were questioning them as superheroes. And you also said that you're just not interested in turtles. That's and what seems, I said. It seems like you're dissing them. It does. It it does does seem like a slight. It it does. I I think in tone, if I were to ask Flounder in the studio and Drum in studio, do you feel like Fiddy is dissing the Ninja Turtles? I think most of the. I think everybody would say, yeah, Yeah. it feels
2: like you are dissing the Ninja Turtles. Flounder gives the
1: thumbs up of approval.
2: Yeah, well, you know, Drum is just gonna drum up some response that agrees with y'all because y'all definitely (laughs) had him side with y'all more than me, which will be different by three o'clock. All I was saying was. Is that look? I'm a MCU nerd geek, so I, I'm into some really out there stuff. I watch a raccoon in space, like blow up space creatures, uh, space creatures, and I'm very much impressed and uh, entertained by that. <laughs> okay. Um, you you lose me at at sewer turtles out here oh, taking over New York city. city. Oh no, but he's not, dissing them. No, he's not dissing them. No,
1: he's not dissing him. No, he's cool with you.
0: Them. <laughs> <laughs> He's totally fine with him. He Four he loves turtles. Ninja Turtles, yeah, and, especially and, with that tone, that
2: emphasis. And their their mentor is a is a mouse. Look at him! Look at him!
1: It's a rat. He is a rat, which is not the greatest of compliments in the world. But it's not. But but, but you're trying to belittle him, okay? We all know mice are smaller, Uh. so
0: you tried to find something (laughs) worse than a rat, and it's Master Splinter, and Master Splinter is not one to be trifled with. He's the one that taught the Ninja Turtles every single thing they know. He made turtles into ninjas, okay? We are not about to belittle a rat. That taught turtles to be ninjas <laughs> and fight crime in New York
2: City. That is a so, drop And also early. loves pizza. So this is where you draw the line. Because you're a guy that is not a MCU fan. Like, I mean, I don't see you out here watching Iron Man, Spider-Man, Captain America. But, but, but turtles. Yeah. That's, about. I mean, I, I guess it does make a lot of sense. Being here that you, you are fish boy. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, what did you think of that, that video I tweeted at you yesterday of how starfish walk?
0: Uh, the ocean is a wild place, man. Wow. I'm telling you right now. You can do that anytime you want to. Any interesting ocean video you come across, at Walker Mail, X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, go ahead and tweet that video at me. Really cool.
2: You know, we were talking last week about how octopuses are are from space. Yeah, yeah I don't think starfish are of this world either. It's a good take. I agree with that. Like, I Star want you to know wind. that when I tweeted at you, it was only like 65% clowning. The other 35%? I know. I was very much like, I watched I gotta that thing it like out. eight times.
0: I'm telling you. Yes. And then when you get an aquarium, as some people do in the world, you can see them walk on the glass and you get to see all this interesting stuff. See, we're brightening minds all across the board That's today.
1: Thank you, Fitty. And the Saints just picked up
0: Kareem Hunt. Well, that's a big so signing. We can adjust to sports now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> Wes Bryant. Great I just wanted to away. throw that in. That's great. <laughs> no, want to throw it. It really is. So, Kareem Hunt, can you hit the break? I, I've been also working on a new breaking news sounder, which I want to debut. Okay. You know, we can do that that's a little good. bit later. I didn't send it in to anybody. Go ahead and hit it, Fitty. Breaking uh, news. You don't have it? I can't find it. I'll just do the, no. oh! Yeah, that's fine. Kareem Hunt, do you have any contract
1: details, or is this just official now? Oh! There it is. No, I don't. I, I do not. And I meant to on Friday, 50, right before we got off air, Alvin Kamara's suspension dropped as right. well. So we didn't get a chance to get around to that because we had truth in the studio. But yeah, so uh, because I was just thinking about him uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, man, nobody's picked up Kareem Hunt.
0: Yeah, he's still a very good running back. And Kareem Hunt going to the New Orleans Saints. I I, I don't think it's it's nothing.
1: I think Kareem Hunt yeah, cuz when he comes back and pairs with Kamara and Jamal Robinson. So so if you're New Orleans, right?
0: Jamal uh, Williams. Jamal Williams. Yeah. So yes. if you get Jamal Williams who led the league in rushing touchdowns last year, goal line guy that really helped Detroit's offense punch it in once they got in scoring position. You also have Alvin Kamara who is going to come back. And then you have Kareem Hunt. And by the way, that suspension Ooh. Smaller than I thought. Yeah, I thought games. it was going to be close to half the season, six weeks. I wonder where like they that.
1: appealed at and get it down to like one.
0: Yeah, and maybe not. So maybe there's an agreement. Okay. When you come down with the suspension, I don't know. I'm just saying this is what happens in the NFL. When you have a suspension, you might've talked to the other party already. So the players union doesn't get involved. You don't have any fighting You just say, look, can we agree that this is a suspension that will take place? And then once it's over, he comes back. Okay, cool. Three, four games. I'm coming back, but that's a really good running back room. Now on the flip side, you can't play every one of them. Nope. You can play two at a time. I don't know how many people are actually playing three at a time, but two of those guys, Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara, both really versatile. Yes. And so if Sean Payton was working with those running backs, I'd feel a lot more scared. I'd feel a lot more scared, but you got Dennis Allen working with these (laughs) running backs and that guy's not a good coach. And if you think he's a good coach, the only thing you can point to is him being a defensive coordinator and pointing to that side of the ball, but not the offensive side. I, it's not nothing. It's not me saying, okay, well now new Orleans is going to win the division. But it does make their offense more dangerous because Kareem Hunt, good at every facet of the game that a running back might need to be good at, right? And so is Alvin Kamara. I've always loved what Kamara could bring. There's a reason Luke Kuechly talked about Kamara being among the top five hardest guys he's ever had to tackle in the NFL when he did a Players' Tribune article. So they get a weapon. Wes, what does this mean to you about what New Orleans can accomplish?
1: Yeah, like you said, it means that they have a very versatile backfield. And Pete Carmichael, their offensive coordinator, has been there for 15 seasons. So they have a little bit of continuity carrying over from the Drew Brees era. And we'll see what he can do with Derek Carr. But I think that definitely gives Carr some good options out of the backfield. He's got some guys that you know some some guys at the end of that read that he can dump the ball off to and that can make it happen. Uh they've also got uh you know, you know, Benjamin was placed on injured reserve. He ruptured his Achilles, but they've also got Kendra Miller who is a really good back out of TCU that they picked in the 3rd round. So this is like I said a very well-rounded running backs room and so I think when you look at Chris Olave perhaps A.T. Perry I heard he had been making a little bit of noise down there as well in New Orleans so uh, the Saints offense is rounding into shape as we talked about uh, earlier in the offseason that offensive line uh, is definitely going to need some work and that's going to be the key for them but as far as just defensively they look to be as stout as they've been offensively now picking up a Kareem Hunt and you get Alvin Kamara back into the mix there's a lot of versatility that you can have with the crew like that. And they clearly have one of
0: the best two quarterbacks in the NFC South, depending if you think Bryce Young is number one. Derek Carr, going into a situation that's good enough. The offensive line, good enough. Chris Olave looks like a top wide receiver for the next decade. You know, Pro Bowl worthy every single season, whether he gets it or not, whatever. But Olave looks like the real deal. I like Bryce Young's situation, too. I also think because of that, there is a lot of pressure for him to perform, maybe a little bit more than other number one overall picks and more than some of the other first round quarterbacks that were taken in this past NFL draft class. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk also thought about Bryce Young and how much pressure he had. Here's what he had to say.
1: By moving all the way up to number one, they just put so much more pressure on this kid. That's why I included him in the draft earlier in the show as people who deserve patience this year. He is put in a tough position. It's hard enough to be a first-round pick, but to be that guy that they gave up all that stuff to go get, the expectation is you are going to become a superstar. You are going to become Cam Newton or better than Cam Newton. At least with Cam Newton, that was the pick they organically earned. They went out and gave up a bunch of crap to get up to one. This guy's our savior. (laughs) My God, there's only one way to go, and that's down. So I feel bad for this kid. I'm rooting for this kid more than any of the other rookie quarterbacks because he's being put in a very difficult situation. There isn't a damn thing he can do about it other than just try to make the best of the situation.
0: See, but that's the very part I disagree with. He's being put in a difficult situation. Pretty good situation. Uh, Yes, it comes with more pressure. But let's ask all of these rookie QBs what you would rather work with in your first season. What essentially is a widely celebrated coaching staff where you have new and Thomas Brown and old and Frank Reich and Jim Caldwell. And they've invested in the offensive line that was already good last year. And they've invested at the pass catcher. Position instead of yes, trading DJ Moore for sure. They didn't just let that be the end all. They got a veteran at Adam Thielen. They drafted a second rounder in Jonathan Mingo. They got someone for yes, one year, but DJ Chart comes in and I think he can help. And they have an ascending receiver, whether he realizes his potential or not. They go out and they expect big things from Terrace Marshall Jr. Oh, yeah, they got Hayden Hurst. Do you think you'd rather be in that situation or would you rather be in Houston's situation? Where they don't have any benefit of the doubt as far as you know bringing up a competent organization, right? Indianapolis, they seem like they're on the way down. You got a Jonathan Taylor controversy on your hands. The offensive line got worse last year. Michael Pittman is the biggest receiver that you have. We'll see what Josh Downs can do, but that's too much to depend on. Yeah, the very difficult situation part, I disagree with. More pressure, sure. Difficult situation? This is among the better ones of all the quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, and I normally love Florio and the gang and what they talk about, and that is his opinion. But I've got to disagree with him here as well in Carolina. This is where the pedigree comes in. This is where you don't need to worry about Bryce Young. He's been doing this, okay? I told you before, Day High School One of the tops in the country playing in games in high school that were considered the Super Bowl for national championships. I know it's not quite the same, but it kind of is. I'm going to bring it all together. Give me a second. Then you talk about Alabama playing in those huge games, winning a national championship, winning the Heisman Trophy, having the expectations of coming in, being the next great Alabama quarterback, being the next quarterback to win a national championship. What am I saying this for? He is used to this. So this is why I disagree with this. Bryce Young wouldn't want to have it any other way than the way it's being served to him now. He wants the pressure. He wants to be the guy. He wants to be the guy that changes the face Of this franchise. So, in my opinion, that's a load. They're giving him a bit too much sympathy. I don't know what the sentiment is behind it, but any number one pick is going to be quote unquote the savior. He knows the Cam Newton legacy that was here. And I don't think that Bryce Young really thinks about that much at all. He is a guy that expects for himself to come in and be the absolute best and make his team one of the best, so I I, I don't agree with them at all.
0: Yeah, 704 makes another good point, questioning only way to go is down. Right, makes that's no what sense. I
1: said. I said that, that to me was way that's, of a
0: reach. That's only if you think that Bryce Young is a failure if this team doesn't get to the playoffs. If Bryce Young comes in and doesn't have a decent, touchdown to interception ratio. I think for the most part, anybody thinking about this logically is not expecting Bryce Young to go crazy his rookie season. And if he doesn't, then it's a failure. I think for the most part, people believe that you just want to see progress and we can go back to times of pro bowl, legendary quarterbacks in their first season and see real struggles. Peyton Manning, probably excuse me, being the best example of that throwing for a million interceptions. I don't expect Bryce Young to play that way. But we've seen legendary QBs not come out and have an all-star Pro Bowl-worthy type season in their first run. Hell, let's go to Joe Burrow, right? Joe Burrow has been somebody that he's been compared to quite a bit. In fact, I want to get to more sound a little bit later on. I've compared him to Joe Burrow. I think it's a good comparison. Joe Burrow, taller, but I don't know if there's any other special athletic trait that he possesses. And Bryce Young, the only thing that he's missing is the height in that category. But Joe Burrow comes in, certainly gets hurt, plays like what? Half the season and then gets hurt and then comes back the second year. And, you know, we get to see them get to the Super Bowl. But what he was on pace for was a good year, but nothing sensational, nothing out of this world. And yet we still felt good about Joe Burrow. And then in a second year took the league by storm. I I think there is something realistic with Bryce Young to maybe where he can follow behind the Burrow blueprint, where we can see him be pretty good, hopefully a full year. I don't want him to get hurt. Clearly, that would suck. <laughs> that would that would be awful to see him get hurt. But Cincinnati bounce back and Carolina, full year of health with Bryce Young on that kind of trajectory where you give him a solid rookie season, and then the next year maybe you can actually do some real Pro Bowl type stuff. I think that's totally reasonable and not a bad situation. And also it totally fine, and it's not a failure like Mike Floro, Florio was insinuating where the only way you can go is down.
1: Yeah, and to me, the trajectory would be going up because if he comes in and has a, a very solid to great rookie season with the receiving core and with the offense that he has now, and he's got some pieces, but then you have to be just looking at the sky, just being rosy and... I guess skies can be rosy, but uh, the skies <laughs> sunny and blue and all those things because, you know, the more you add, the more dynamic weapons you add around the Bryce Young, the better it's going to get. So in my opinion, I think he's got a great foundation to start with already. And to me, things are looking up for him because everything you see already, the only part of the test that he needs to pass at this point is fans seeing him take a couple of big shots and get up and keep it going. Because other than that, you know that if this guy's able to come in and do damage, win the NFC South potentially with what he's got now, the more they continue to add on because you've got the main ingredient to this stew. That you need to make. All right. The rest of it from this point out is just going to be buying all the rest of the ingredients, and that makes it that much easier because of the guy that you have under center.
0: Feel free to share your thoughts on Mike Florio's comments, 7045709610. Until then, we'll get to the first fitty flash of the day. Hit it, Fitty. Fitty.
2: Some big news coming out of mm-hmm. Chapel Hill. UNC wide receiver Tez Walker, a two-time transfer, had his waiver for immediate el- eligibility denied after it was originally granted. Mac Brown told uh, the media during the media session day after practice. Max quote said he's only played football at one school and should be considered a one-time transfer. This comes after yesterday he was named to the preseason Blitnikoff award watch list. He is expected to be Drake May's number one wide receiver go-to target. And if this isn't resolved, a nightmare scenario for a wide receiver that is tasked with replacing Josh Downs. Yeah,
0: Tez Walker was one of the guys that you were relying on quite a bit without Josh Downs instead of him being on the roster going to the NFL. What does this mean for North Carolina's offense?
1: Yeah, and what Max said about him being a one-time transfer, he started his career at North Carolina Central but transferred to Kent State after the Eagles' 2020 season was canceled uh, due to COVID. But, yeah, this is going to be pretty big because this is a guy – in uh, that receiving core, six-two and a half, two hundred pounds. So you like what he brought to the table. I said it yesterday, man, and I, and I hope that they're able to replace him. And I think Carolina may be able to get his eligibility on track. But if not, man, it just ooh, it just feels a little bit like I said when Sam Howell was coming in and he didn't have all the weapons that he had the previous year when he had so much success. But if there's any quarterback that can make it happen, uh, I do have faith right. that Drake may can make it happen no matter who's out there wide receiver
0: even for kent state 920 yards receiving 11 touchdowns in 12 games played in 2022 that is a lot of production even at kent state transferring over and then not being able to use that hopefully carolina can get him to play one and if they can't they can figure out life without tez walker campus corner coming up next wesson walker sports radio 92 7 wfnz
1: Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on the text line 704-570-9610. Hit those socials. We got the behind the scenes if you guys want to see what young... Drum looks like you can check out uh, some of our behind the scenes videos that we will be dropping, and one is already up on the WFNZ Twitter and Instagram. Also, HTB underscore Josh at Walker Mail and at West Bryant underscore seventy two on Twitter and Instagram as well. And now let's get to the campus, Kona. All right. More realignment talk folks, you're getting tired of it. We are as well, but it's happening and we got to talk about it, the ACC talking about potentially adding Cal and Stanford, elite academic schools from the Pac-4 right now because there are only four schools remaining. And so an interesting aspect of this is everybody always thinks about football and then basketball is kind of secondary, but I did a little digging this morning and found out a few reasons why the ACC may be interested in Cal and Stanford. Not only are the elite academic schools, but they are titans in Olympic sports and also based in the Bay Area. So all those things in theory should matter to the ACC, apparently more than they matter to the Big Ten. And so the Oregon Ducks and the Washington Huskies, of course, are more marketable football brands. But Cal and Stanford are middling football programs right now. The fan bases are in a little bit of disarray. But when you just talk about academic reputations of these schools and also the Olympic sports and the value that that brings to them as well, The ACC recognizing that, recognizes that, and that may be uh, a couple of the reasons that they want to add these schools. Because football, you look at it on the surface, and you're just like, eh, okay. You know, this doesn't really move the needle as much. Stanford hasn't been good in a while, but they've had a lot of seasons where they've been uh, a really good program. But Walker, what are your thoughts on this? Does it make sense?
0: Well, to me, I I don't think that the ACC is just going to add programs just for the sake of adding programs, because right now, if you have a financial distribution plan that Florida State very vocally does not like and clemson might not even though they're not being very vocal about it to add two more schools to then split the pie with even if they're not the most watched programs in all of college football either then i don't know how much sense that makes so the potential additions of both cal and stanford They don't project to be big time financial game changers. And while the addition of the academic prestige you talk about, that might be something beneficial to the ACC. Really, it comes down to all of the money, as everybody will discuss when we all talk about college conference realignment. And if you're not bringing in nearly as much money with these football programs, then it's going to be harder for me to see them justifying it to all the other schools. It's probably going to be hit or miss with some of these athletic directors and the decision makers with schools already within the conference. But for a team like Florida State, where they want more of the pie right now, and then you have to split a lesser portion with Stanford and Cal. It might be okay in the interim, but of course they're gonna want more as you get further into their tenure within the ACC. So then what do you do at that time? Can they get to be a good college football program within the next two, three, five years, whatever? Yeah, it's dicey. Uh, it, it, It might look like on the surface that the ACC is getting stronger if they take in a couple of schools, but they want to hold on to Florida State. They do, and I don't know if Florida State wants to stick around. And I know that they want to leave right now. I just I hope that they don't add these schools just for the sake of adding them. Even if below the surface, it wouldn't necessarily mean that the conference gets any stronger.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And so Walker, we talked about the series yesterday. The top five uh, ACC returning quarterbacks. Today we released the running backs. Would you like to uh, hear yeah, that? Yeah, let's
0: let's set it up. No, top five. West Loves himself some rank radio. He has been doing this with the ACC Digital Network. We will go to the fifth best returning running back in the conference. Go ahead, Fitty. Hit us with some imaging. Number five.
1: Number five from the Duke Blue Devils, Jordan Waters. He was a preseason All-ACC third-team selection from Pro Football Focus. Last year, the numbers don't bowl you over as far as per-game averages, but he did have eight rushing touchdowns, so that put him tied for seventh in the ACC. What's number four. Number four out of the University of Miami, Henry Parrish Jr. He had an 84.9 run grade that was fifth out of all ACC backs, according to Pro Football Focus. And then statistically last year, he was top 10 in the ACC in rushing yards per game. Had six total touchdowns. So this is a guy that's definitely en route to uh, perhaps having a breakout season in Coral Gable.
0: Do we know if he has any relation to Roscoe Parrish, who also played at Miami?
1: I do not know that. That's something our research team maybe be We got one. That. We finally yeah. hired our first guy. <laughs> get to work, kid. Check all out well. Henry Parrish's <laughs> Miami bio and see if he is indeed kin to... Roscoe.
0: All right, so while Drum is taking over our research team, Fiddy, why don't you hit us with the next uh, imaging sound effect that I can't speak very well of.
1: Number three. Number three, Jawar Jordan from Louisville. This guy had one of the best missed tackle per carry rates in the ACC. Third, he ranked in that. And then when you look at statistically what he did last season, fifth in the ACC in rushing yards per game also averaged 5.7 yards per carry so he was definitely a big play waiting to happen number two all right now we start to get into the thick of things the big dogs all right you're talking about trey benson out of florida state this guy one yeah he was a he set a pff record for missed tackles Per carry, almost one per carry, this guy averaged. He is a big time running back for the nose. And then statistically, last season, he was fourth in the ACC in rushing yards per game, averaged six and a half yards a carry. That was top 15 in all of FBS. And he had nine rushing touchdowns to boot. Who's the number one? Number one. Come on, baby. Queen City, I'm going to give you the credit. Even though you went to Weddington, Will Shipley, all right? He averaged 3.4 yards after contact uh, last season, according to PFF. That was one of the best marks in the land, and this guy was big time for the Tigers last year. He was third in the ACC in rushing yards per game, averaged 5.6 yards per carry, and had 15 rushing scores. So Will Shipley, definitely a guy. It could be a Dark Horse Heisman candidate this season, in my opinion. From the running
0: backs leading their teams in total rushing yards, we go to a quarterback that led his team in rushing yards just last season. Team week continues in the one o'clock hour. Duke's offensive breakdown. We get to it. Coming up next, Wesson Walker Sports Radio 927
1: WFNZ.